So today's daf is Kaftet in Yoma. We went a little further than expected yesterday. We went all the way to the bottom of Amud Aleph of Kaftet. We're about eight lines from the bottom. Uh, we finished off all of the Agadot yesterday, basically, and uh, came back to the Halakha here, where it says Shachtot Tatamid, even though that part is probably not uh, correct because it's not actually commenting on that part. It's commenting on the part that it said that as soon as they saw that the light was shining of the dawn, so they uh, so the Kohen Gadol would go to immerse. So, you know, the Gemara is going to pick up on the fact that that's not really, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't really flow consistently because Emat, what, what day are you talking about? If you're talking about other days of the year, it doesn't have to be the Kohen Gadol the rest of the year. So it has to be, on, it must be talking about Yom Kippur if we're talking about sending the Kohen Gadol to go to the Mikveh early in the morning. So, so why would they be concerned about the light of the moon? In other words, what they said before was that the reason why they had a uh, a watchman, you know, go and climb up on the roof to see if the light was shining was because one time they made a mistake and the light of the moon was mistaken for the uh, light of the sun. But that wouldn't happen on Yom Kippur. It only happens at certain times of the uh, of the month where that's possible. That wouldn't be possible on Yom Kippur. So that wouldn't be happening at this time. But it's so Kiamar. Uh, Barak Barkai, in other words, what it means is like this. So, Mi'ika, so, so, Hachikama, that's what it means. So, Viyoma Kippurim, Kamar Barak Barkai, Horidu Kohen Gadol, Beit Tavila. In other words, they, even though the reason, the initial reason why they started this practice of having a Kohen go up and check that the light was shining was to avoid the problem of mistaking, um, light of the moon for light of the sun. They st- they did it every day. So they didn't only do it when the issue of the moon was relevant. They did it every day. So at that at that at that time was when they sent the Kohen Gadol down to do the mikveh. If it were Yom Kippur, meaning it doesn't necessarily follow that any day that they had the person go check for the light of the dawn uh, was also a day. Uh, where the uh, where the moon could be mistaken for the sun, it could very well be that we're, uh, that on Yom Kippur it wasn't possible to mistake the moon for the sun, and that wasn't really an issue. But it was an established practice that every single day they checked, you know, they checked carefully for the light of the dawn. And at that time, they would set the Kohen Gadol down to Beit Tevila. So the rule is that not only do we say that if the Shechita of the Tamid was done before dawn, that it's Pasul, the whole Korban is Pasul and it has to be burnt. Also, if they uh, did any other Avodah that has to be done during the day, such as Melikata Of, if we're dealing with a... Uh, if we were dealing with a uh, a bird korban and the melika, the melika is the uh, equivalent of shechita, the equivalent of slaughtering. Did the melika of bird at that time, or if they did kmitzah, they took the handful from a mincha at the time. The mincha would have to be burnt. Now, obviously, normally you wouldn't be bringing any other kind of an offering before the korban tamid of the morning. You wouldn't normally do that, right? But it's but uh, so they must have really been running ahead of schedule if they're doing melikata of and they're doing a kmitzah minchaz. Why they did that is not clear, but. Uh, why they would do that anyway if it's that early is not clear but if they did it would make it pasul so now now we understand by if it's done improperly if you did it at the night time instead of the daytime, so obviously it has to be burnt there's no resuscitating a dead bird you can't recover it it's gone however 
Ela komets, but when it comes to the uh, taking the handful of flour out of a korban mincha, nehadrev and hadavadik mitzabi mama. Why can't you just put it back in? In other words, if you took a handful of the mincha, what'd you do? So put it back in. In other words, it's like you didn't do anything. In other words, when it comes to an, a, a bird korban, so you slaughtered the the korban, so you can't bring it back. And since you did it at the right, uh, you know, the wrong time, it's still nighttime. So there's nothing you can do. The whole thing is ruined. But when it comes to a mincha, all you did was take a handful of flour. So you be, and you're saying you did nothing because it was nighttime. So just put it back in the pile. What's the problem? So it says, He said this, he explained it, that that the the uh, sacred vessels will instill holiness in something even when it's not the proper time. So what happens when you take the kmitzah of a flower offering? You don't just hold it in your hand. You take the kmitzah of a flower offering, you take the handful and you put it in another vessel. You carry that vessel over to the Mizbeach where it's deposited on the Mizbeach. When you put that handful of flour on the, uh, in the Klisharet, you put it into the sacred vessel, it will give it kedusha, even though it's the wrong time, even though it's still nighttime. And therefore, since it gives it Kiddushat Aguf, you cannot now return it to the original Mincha. You can't reverse what you did. So even though it's invalid, you can't restore it to the original state. So now they asked a question. There is an objection that anything that can be brought during the day can only be made sacred during the day. And anything that is brought at night can only be made sacred during the night. And anything that can be brought at both times could be, could be uh, given sanctity at both times. Now Rashi explains what could be brought at night. For example, um, a korban that always is brought, an animal korban always has to be brought during the day. But we know that, let's say, for example, if there's a backlog of korbanot, they can sometimes put the limbs of the korban on the mizbeach at night. And also, minchat nisachim, other things that accompany a korban. For example, the flour and wine, if it's late, they're running late, so the mincha uh, can be brought. The flour offering that accompanies, meaning a flour offering by itself cannot be brought at night, but if a flour offering is accompanying a, an ola, and the ola is brought during the day, and the, and the blood was thrown during the day the proper way, and now it's supposed to have something accompanying it, that could be brought even at night. So then the klisharit can work to, in, to create the kedushah even at night. But what does that show you? That shows you, katani mihat, so that means that if it's something that had to be brought during the day, and here we're talking about a mincha that obviously had to be brought during the day, and, and we're saying that when you take that handful and you put it into a klisha, right, you're saying that that gives it kedushah taguf, that gives it irreversible kedushah, you can't put it back in. Why? Since it's something that cannot be brought at night, it can only be brought during the day, so it shouldn't be effective, because the whole point is that only something that could be brought at night could be given kedushah at night, and only something that could be brought during the day can be given Kiddushah during, uh, and something that can be brought during the day can only be given Kiddushah during the day, so this should not attain Kiddushah. Now we're not talking about Kiddushah Damim. Kiddushah Damim is something else, as we've learned before. Kiddushah Damim is if I consecrate something um, for, the, you know, to be a Korban, um, that means the, the, uh, the value of the Korban becomes, uh, you know, consecrated. Like if I give flowers for a Korban Mincha, the value of that flower now belongs to the Beit HaMikdash, but there's a different level of irreversible Kiddushah when they take the handful of the, of the Mincha that's going to go on the Mizbeach, that gives it a higher level of intrinsic irreversible Kiddushah. That, you know, so, the question, so it's saying that really that type of Kiddushah should only inhere, it should only come into existence when it's at a time that that Korban can be offered. Here we're talking about that it was done during, it was still nighttime basically. They realized that they did it too early, so really they did nothing. They just moved flour from from one place to another, so just put it back inside. So it says, Dilma eno kadosh li kare, aval kadosh li pasel. 
It could be that there's two different types of, there's really three different levels of Kiddushah. There's a type of Kiddushah, which is Kiddushah Damim, which means that you simply gave something monetary Kiddushah. It belongs to the Beit HaMikdash, but it could still be redeemed, for example, if you wanted to redeem it. Then you have intrinsic Kiddushah for the service, that if you give something Kiddushah Taguf, you took the handful of a Mincha, the handful of a flower, it becomes intrinsically holy. Now, that the positive side of that would be when it's, when it's the proper time, but there's also a negative side. In other words, the Kadosh Lipasel means that maybe even though at night you cannot create Kedushah in that handful of flour for it to be used, but you can create it to make it invalid. In other words, what it does is it creates a sort of a, an invalid Kedushah that now is irreversible. That's also possible. And therefore, since the person took the handful of flour, at, it was still nighttime. What he effectively does is he creates a Kiddushah, but it's a bad Kiddushah. So therefore, it, it invalidates the entire Korban. Now the Gemara asks, For whatever reason, they didn't put the Lechem Apanim on the Shulchan of the Beit HaMikdash on Shabbat when they're supposed to, but they did it on Sunday instead, for whatever reason, right? But then the following Shabbat they went and they took the spoons of frankincense that you're normal, normally supposed to offer and then the bread is divided up among the Kohanim. They took those spoons and they put them on the they put that frankincense, that uh, the Levona on the Mizbeach, the following Shabbat. So let's say the first Shabbat is the first of, uh, you know, first of Nisan. I'm just making it up. You know, so then they, they, they put the Lechem Apanim. They failed to put it on in the right time. So they put it on the second of Nisan. So then the, but then the following Shabbat on the eighth of Nisan, the guy goes and he puts the spoons on the Mizbech thinking, okay, so I missed one day. I didn't put it on on the first of Nisan on Shabbat. I put it on the second, but at least it had most of the week. So it's good. It's not good because it has to be put on the, that Shabbat. So what is, so that's Pasul. Ketzad Yasa. What's he supposed to do? Yanichanu Shabbat Abba'ah. He has to wait another week. It doesn't matter that you left it on the Shulchan too long. What matters is if you leave it on the Shulchan not long enough. So if you put it on on Sunday, you cannot then go and offer the Bazichin the following Shabbat because it's only six days that it was on the Shulchan. It's not seven days. It's no good. So what do you do? You wait another week. So it's going to end up being on too many days. It's going to end up being on 13 days instead of seven. But that's better than too few. Too many is okay. Right? So the problem is, Vamai. Shouldn't we say that the fact that you put the um, the bread on the on the uh, uh, on the table at the wrong time, that whole first six days is totally worthless because you it doesn't count because you, you you put it on to you know the fact that you put it on from Sunday to Friday doesn't mean anything because you missed that Shabbat. So really, the only part that counts is from the following Shabbat to the Shabbat afterwards. Shabbat to Shabbat, only those eight days count. The six days that you have it on extra don't count. So why don't we say that when you put it on to the Shulchan, you put it on in an invalid time, it should make the bread invalid. Like we're saying, you put it on a klisha rechelo bismano. You put it a you put something in uh, on a vessel of the Beit Hamikdash or in a vessel, a holy vessel, at the wrong time. It gives it an invalid, irreversible, invalid kedusha. Just like you're saying, if you take the handful of flour and you put it into the vessel. So that it gives it an invalid but irreversible Kiddushah. We should say the same thing about the bread here. Why are you saying you can leave it another week and then everything's going to be fine? should become invalid. You should have to put a new one on. In other words, using my example, let's say you didn't put it on the first of Nisan. You put it on the second of Nisan instead. And then instead of it's saying leave it until the 14th of Nisan. In other words, leave it an extra week. Why? We should say it's totally invalid. And then on the 8th of Nisan, put a new one. You can't just uh, leave the one from before. should be invalid. So he says, Amar Rava, Rava says, Man deka mot, so, man deka motiv, shapirka motiv. 
He says, this objection is a good objection. The problem is that both the father of Rabbi Avin, who said the original halacha about taking the handful of flour, and this are both braitot. They're not just statements that we can just say one of them is wrong. We have to find out how to reconcile it. So he said, The thing is, that there's a difference between night and day, meaning that a person who does something shortly before the proper time, the night before, the night before he does it. In other words, like the guy who gets up too early, really dawn was 5.45 and he thought it was 5.30. So he went and he did the kmitzah of the mincha at 5.30. That's like kimat, he's almost at the right time. So because he's almost at the right time, we'll say it creates Kiddushah and invalidates the Mincha. Here, we're talking about days before. Because really, what should he have done when he realized there was no bread put on the Shulchan on that Shabbat? He's not supposed to put it on on Sunday. Wait until the following Shabbat at the proper time and start the week over again. You missed a week. That's it. Right? You missed a week. But instead, he didn't do that. He did it in advance. So what he did too far in advance doesn't have any effect at all, is the Chidush. Chidush is that right before, so close... So close is worse because it's so close and it was invalid because it was about to be good and you made it invalid. But a week in advance doesn't have any effect. meaning that it's in the ballpark of the time? Mechusazman is a concept that means it was at the wrong time. That's all. Meaning that the Mechusazman is any, wrong, any time when you're not up to the right time yet. So like an animal that you bring as a korban is a four days old. It's called Mechusazman. You're off the time. Right. You're too short of a time. Too early. Too early. early. So the great thing is... Ten minutes before, we could see, okay, because it was ten minutes before, it's in the ballpark, it's, it's, the ballpark, it's worse. It's like, he right. created, he created he Dusha, right? But when it's a week before, okay, he did nothing, he did nothing, right? You so, but the, but the problem is, but what about this? Keep, but then you could still say this, what about the fact that, okay, I put the Lechem uh, Apanim on on Sunday, so true, the Sunday doesn't really mean anything, Monday, Tuesday, nothing, but what about Friday night? Friday night is the same case. It's the night before that it was supposed to be put on because really when should it have been put on the following Shabbat? You should have just waited till the following Shabbat and done nothing. Put it on the following Shabbat. You put it on Sunday. So we understand why the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday doesn't mean anything. But Friday night, really, it should become Pasul because it's the same case as taking the handful of the Mincha the night before it was supposed to be done. Right? So it's the same thing. It's too early, but it's close enough that it should make it pasul. So Amar Avina, Shekadam Vesilko, we must be talking about a case where he took it off. In other words, he put it on on Sunday and somebody said to him, what's wrong with you? You, you know, what, what are you doing? I'm putting it on Sunday. We don't put it on Sunday. Take it off. And so the guy went, in other words, the chidush is that the fact that he put it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then someone said, why, why, why is there Lechem Apanim on there from Sunday? Take it off. It's not supposed to be on there. Since he took it off, now he can go and put it back on on Shabbat. It doesn't become pasul because it was on Sunday through Friday. It would become pasul, as Ravina is saying. It would become pasul Friday night since it was put on illegitimately. It would be pasul Friday night because right before the time that it was supposed to be put on on Shabbat morning, it was put on too early. Right? That's, that's what he's saying. But, Even if you just left it on there, it wouldn't become pasul. Why? Since 
since the person did it wrong, it's like a monkey did it. In other words, it's irre- it's totally like a nothing. Like you just say, he put it on there. He was just a, you know, uh, it was a dummy that he put it on. You know, it's like it doesn't mean anything because he put it on so far in advance and he just left it there. It didn't have any significance what the person did. So, of course, they would come on Shabbat morning. They would pick it up and put it on correctly. It wouldn't be invalid because the, he did it. It's like, like, like a monkey did it, it literally means. In other words, off. yeah. Right, completely off. We just ignore what he did. So, of course, they ask, what about the fact that, you know, the guy, uh, that, you know, what about the Kohen who takes the Kmitzah? Then it's the same thing. Why don't we say that the fact that he took the Kmitzah was too early. It was 530. We're supposed to wait till 540. Took it at 5.30. Why don't we also say, uh, like a kof did it? Because he actually thought he was doing the mitzvah and he made a miscalculation and he intended to, to, to create the Kiddushah. This person knows you're not supposed to put it on on Sunday. He just said, oh, I, I, I feel bad. I did it. To, I missed it yesterday. So he put it on. But he, he, he didn't really intend. He didn't really think. The Tosafot says here, he says, says, because there... He thought it was daytime. He just made a mistake. So therefore we say that's not like a kof. It's, uh, he just should have checked the time. Right? But whereas the person who did on Sunday, he knows that it was uh, the wrong time. He just put it on there because he says, how could you have the shulchan without a... You know, how can I have a shulchan without uh, putting a lechem uh, apanim? Uh, it's not right. But he knows that he isn't really creating the Kiddushan Sunday because there's no such concept. And therefore we say that it's not going to make it holy. And since it doesn't make it holy... It's just sitting there on the shulchan, nothing happens to it. And even through Friday night, if it sits there, nothing happens to it. And then on Shabbat morning, they're going to pick it up and put it down the correct time. And, uh, and, and, and no, uh, no harm is done, basically. That's the, that's, that's the answer of the... But right before, where the person really thought that they were doing the mitzvah in the proper time and they made a mistake... There, it will create Kiddushah. Now, it's irreversible and you can't put it back. So that's why it would make the whole thing puzzle. So he right? tried to do Ashlama, but it's really Hasar Takana. Nahon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, was th- he doesn't really ruin it, though. He just, he just didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. You know, it's like people put a kippah on a baby getting a Brit Milah. I always thought it was funny. <laughs> you know, it's like, why? The baby doesn't know what is a, what is a kippah. Yeah. With a tie here. Right, with a tie so it doesn't <laughs> fall. Sheloi <laughs> pol. You know, it's well, why does it have a keeper? But I, I, uh, when my kids had the breed, I refused to. I said, "This is stuyot. It's, it's, it makes the kippah silly. It's like a kippah supposed to be something that you think you're at shemaim. You're making fun of it. You put it on a baby. He doesn't know what is a kippah. Why? Yeah. So, uh, so exactly. But the, anyway, so the it just looks nice for the picture. Would you ever have a kohen doing something that you say it's obvious there was no dot here? The one that would come and make it similar to the cough. I don't know. Woke up in the days. Woke up in the situation, or his mind was not there. Or I guess maybe. I mean, I mean this is drunk, here's the case, sir. But that's uh, those are other. Those are other things. Those are other psulim. Right. So here we're saying that a person who makes a miscalculation is different than somebody who does something that obviously doesn't have any meaning. A miscalculation was close enough that he made a mistake, actually. The person who put it on Sunday didn't make a mistake. He's just doing it because stam. He just doesn't like the fact... Just like, I don't like the fact that how could, how could a baby not have a kippah? Breed milah. You know, how, how could a Jewish person have a kippah? It's like, it's, he knows it's not really has, doesn't really have a mitzvah wearing a kippah. The baby's not going to wear a kippah after the breed milah for anything else. You know, oh, but how could you do a mitzvah without a kippah? He has to put a kippah. That's like... Chinuch. <laughs> He has no idea what's going on. No, no, no. Any day before the Shabbat. He's saying any day before the Shabbat. Yeah. So there's that goes. Hayab Mikdash. Um, there's a, 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 there's a
this, this is the rule in the Mikdash that if, you, if a person goes to urinate, they have to uh, do Kiddush Adayim V'Raglayim. That was the rule. They have to do uh, wash the hands and feet from the key. Or if they, if they do a full uh, bowel movement, so then they have to go to the Mikveh. That's the rule uh, all, all the time. So it says, Bishlam we know Mishum Nitzotzot. So we understand urination, you have to wash your feet because you might get it on your feet. Because remember, they didn't have toilets, first of all. They were just going outside wherever on the grass. It splashes on your feet. So they had to wash their feet afterwards. We understand that, right? But we think the opposite today because we have a bathroom where we touch things and you go in the bathroom with your hands. So, of course, you have to wash your hands. But why would you wash your feet after you go to the bathroom? What's, you know, why would you wash your feet? But they had the opposite. Since they were going, like, say, in the grass or something like that, so, the per- so he doesn't touch with his hands. He's just, uh, but it could go on his feet. It's yeah, the opposite. Feet. Yeah, that bare feet. Yeah. So, Rabbi Abba, it says Rabbi Abba here, but it says on the side that it should say uh, Ravashi. Okay. Um, that shows you that you have to wipe off your feet after you go to the bathroom with your hands. Now, why did they do that? Because the problem was that if a person saw, now we don't think this way today, it's something that was something they were much more aware of back then. If a person could not urinate correctly, they dripped on themselves, it looked like there was something wrong with their organ down there. And, uh, and, and therefore, people would suspect he's not really fertile. He's not really uh, able to have a child. And then he's going to say the children that he has are probably his wife was with somebody else. Right? Because obviously, this guy, if he's, if he's peeing on himself, so that means that shows that, you know, obviously, he's not functional down there. He's not fertile. So comment on them. Right. Because of the way they used to do right, it. Right, so, but it's saying, it true, it true, but the problem is, you, that, you're right, that's why they had a halacha that you have to wipe it away, because people will see it, if a person wants to get you, they'll say, oh, see, I told you that guy was, uh, his kids are mamzer, because look, he has on his feet, but a lot of people have on their feet, yeah, it doesn't matter, but I'm, it proves what I was telling you, you know, when you're looking for evidence, you find it, right, if, you, if you, you're looking to say the guy is a pasul, You'll, you'll find that he's pasul. You'll find, oh, so therefore you wipe it off because you don't want to invite uh, rumors about yourself. That's, that's the idea. So it says, so therefore you have to wipe it off. And what are you going to wipe it off with? They didn't have paper towel. They didn't have tissues. You wipe it with your hands. So therefore you have to wash your hands afterwards. Okay, so now, um, and that's why we'd have to wash hands. It's not because right? you used to touch the ever? I mean, no, that's because you're not supposed to. That's yeah, you're not supposed to. So that's why he talks about the need to talk. Now, Amara, Papa, Papa said, a person who has tzoah, he has excrement in its place, meaning inside, right? He didn't clean himself properly, let's say. Okay? So he's not allowed to read the Kriyat Shema. What are we talking about? If it shows, in other words, if it's outside and it's, you know, it's, it's not inside his body, but it's actually outside, it's on him. So that's obvious. If it's not visible, if you have, you have uh, feces inside your, uh, you know, your intestine, I mean, then you're never going to be able to, it's going to be like your malach, you're never going to be able to pray. So there's always something inside, right? If you're sitting, it would be visible. But if you're standing, it won't be visible, right? So we, we learned about this in Masachet Bachot, in the third paragraph of Masachet Bachot, all of these details. In other words, the point is the person has to have a clean body, if he's saying Kriyat Shema. What's the difference between that and having feces on any other part of the body? We have a machloket, the famous machloket uh, Amoraim about this. If a person 
uh, is, uh, has, so, ah, he has excrement on his body somewhere, not in the, uh, the orifice itself where it comes out of, but meaning anywhere on your foot, on your, on your leg, whatever, you have something there, um, even though it's covered, I mean, even though it's covered, but it's on you, or his hand is in the bathroom. let's say a person's standing next to the bathroom, he's not in the bathroom, but he puts his hand in there. Why? I don't know why, but he puts his hand in there, okay? Now, what, what will happen? So, according to Rav Hunah, Rav Hunah says it's no problem. Because why? Because What do you praise God with? The upper part of your body. We don't care that there's some dirt down there or that your hand is in the bet that Your hand is not what you're using to praise Hashem. So you're okay. But, but however, Rav Chizdamar, uh, you can't say uh, I'm sorry you're not allowed to say in that case why? because it's the whole body because it says your whole body has to be part of the mitzvah your hand is that's a dikduk issue because it has to do with the dikduk we'll have a short dikduk another time but that's, it's only a couple of places in Tanakh where it's kal really it should be kal all the time but it's, uh, it, it, it's because of the it has to do with the makaf that connects the, uh, the word to the next word that makes it kol that uh, has to do with dikduk um, in any case so it's, it's, but that's the question do we say kalat motay tomana shemi right kalat motay tomana shemi means that your whole body has to be holy clean in order for you to say the Kriyat Shema, or say, no, Kola Nishama, Nishama is Nishima, breathing, right? Only your, your, your upper body has to be clean. What happens below doesn't matter, so you have a Machloket, and actually it's a Machloket on the Machloket, how we are posek in this Halakha. Do we hold like Rav Hura? We hold like Rav Chistad. The Shulchan Aruch says a person should try to be Machmir, to hold the more stringent way, even though it's a Machloket Rishonim, how we rule on this. But the question is, why do you need to tell me, right? We said, so Abim Koma. Uh, Rav Papa said that if you have excrement in its place, meaning in the part of your body where it comes out, so and it's visible when you're sitting down, so then you wouldn't be allowed to say Kriyat Shema. But we say it's a machloket. What's the difference? What, 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 is he disagreeing with Rav Hona and Rav Chistan? No. He's saying everyone would agree in his case. Why? Because that if a per- when it's in its place, meaning when it's still inside there, but it's, it's like not full, you're not fully clean, basically. Uh, you know, so that saying in that case it will be more putrid and more and worse and Rashi says because it's more concentrated there and it's not it's not exposed to the air so therefore it's going to be more putrid it's going it's going to be more masrichasen if it's there, right? The rest of the body, it's already exposed to air more, so it's gonna, and it's more spread out, so it's not gonna be as disgusting. So then you come to the machloket between Rav Hunan and Rav Chista, whether other parts of your body are relevant, your hand, your leg, are relevant when you're talking about cleanliness for Kriyashma. But when it's actually in the place, you just didn't clean yourself well, it says that's gonna be worse, because that's gonna be a case where, um, where it's in the place where it's creating the most uh, uh, distasteful smell or whatever it is that's going to be uh, not allowed according to everyone. And that explains why the person has to clean themselves carefully after they come out of using the bathroom and uh, in order to serve in the bed of Mikdash. Now, Tanu Rabbanat, Halakha B'Souda, Halakha in a meal. Adam yotel lashtin ma'im, yotel yadu achat, v'nichnas. If a person goes to urinate, he has to wash one of his hands and then he comes in. In other words, the hand that he uses for wiping himself up. If he goes out and he has a chat with his friend for a long time, then he has to wash both hands to come in. And he shouldn't do it outside. He shouldn't wash his hands outside because people will, um, people will, uh, uh, you know, will think he didn't really wash his hands, right? They're not going to assume that he washed his hands. Um, and, and Rashi says that it's saying he spoke for an hour or two outside. Now that could be just a, uh, you know, a, a figure of speech, but it means he spent a long time. 
Huh? Right. It doesn't necessarily mean of uh, sixty minutes. It's saying that he spent some significant time that he, his mind was not on the meal anymore. He was his mind wasn't on the meal anymore by that time. So he comes back inside. He has to wash his hands inside. So people will not assume that he failed to do so. Um, he should go sit in his place and wash his hands and then he should give the kli the tapiach is the um, is actually the natla the thing that you used to wash your hands you should give it to everyone else in other words the you give it to the shamash and the shamash will say does anybody else need to wash their hands here so like it, br- it brings attention to the fact that you came in and you washed your hands because then you hand it to the waiter and the waiter says does anybody else need to wash their hands so everyone sees that you did nobody thinks you came in with dirty hands to continue eating because that will be a real turn off to everyone else that's only if you came in to drink everybody knows that if a person's going to go eat food they definitely would wash their hands for their own sake. They might think you didn't wash your hands if you only came to drink because you don't touch the food anyway. So maybe a guy went and he's like, I don't want to bother washing my hands. I'm just having another drink. I'm going to touch the cup. I'm not going to touch the food. So he goes and he, he won't wash his hands. And then somebody, he go to shake someone's hand. They're going to say, yeah, I don't know if that guy washed his hands or whatever. Right. So he, because he might have been relying on that he doesn't have to touch it. Right, so he he didn't wash his hands. But if he came in to eat, of course you don't have to show that you washed your hands. Everyone knows you're not going to go and come with dirty hands and put it on your own food. They didn't really use utensils so much, you know. It's like uh, the, you know, the Middle East. Yeah, the Middle East. Everyone sticks their hand in the food and they eat like that. And it, different between tanim and dolim if he goes to the bathroom. It it says lashtin, so it's talking about. Yeah, it's usually yeah, yeah. That's it's referring to that. So kalvachomer if he's coming from that. But then because it's a, they'll suspect if he went for... Well, they might not know. They might not know. I mean, he went to the bathroom. They might not be so personal with asking the details. You know, we don't know. But In my case, everybody knows. I don't have to wash inside because everyone knows that I'm very particular. It means that I, he's an istanis, what we call it. In other words, he's somebody very particular, sensitive, that I would never go and even drink out of a cup unless I washed my hands first. So everyone knows if I came back in, I washed my hands. That's why he says datai, me personally. Meaning, and I think it, that applies today to everyone. Like in our society... Nobody would come out of the bathroom and go sit down and eat. 99% of people. There's some, obviously some mishugaim that they, you know, but I'm saying 99% of people would never go even leave the bathroom without washing their hands and definitely not go to eat even if they're thinking I'm only going to use a cup to eat or a fork. They're still going to wash their hands before they come to eat. So I think nowadays everyone is very sensitive to that and nobody would, uh, nobody would suspect if you went to the bathroom that you didn't wash your hands when you came out and you came to eat at the meal um, afterwards, so but I, so you prob- that's probably why we don't see people that they insist on washing the tilat yadayim right at the table nowadays. But uh, it's a it, it has to do with the sense of hygiene that you know that's a heightened sense of hygiene. So basically, we're all like Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak today that everyone would assume that ninety nine percent of the time a person is washing his hands. Uh, before he comes to eat after using the restroom or doing something, even something else that, you know, involves like your hands. Usually if a person is then going to eat, they're going to wash their hands first because they know that it's necessary for hygiene and hygienic reasons. So as other will continue from here. We watch the Kohanim.